Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. Man, some of those, you could just see it coming, couldn't you? They probably deserved it a little bit. People are crazy. Like, don't we all need to do over sometimes, don't we? Like, we all mess it up at times. In fact, that's what we've been talking about this last couple of weeks in this series that we started a few weeks ago called Do Over. So everybody look at your neighbor and just say, Do Over. Do Over. We all need it sometimes because the truth is, most of the time we don't get it right on the first try. You know? I mean, we've talked about this a little bit in this series. That first time you tried to walk, you took a step and you fell down. But man, you got back up and you took another step. And maybe you fell several more times but you got a chance to start again. Maybe it was the first time you try to you know, learn how to ride a bike and you crash and burn, but you get back up on the bike and you go again. Maybe it's the first time trying to you know, learn how to drive a car. I was thinking about it uh, this, this past week as I was preparing for the message. My first learning how to drive a car. My first car was a 1981 Mustang, y'all. I'm telling you, it was sweet. It was a four-cylinder, four on the floor. How many know what I'm talking about? In fact, four cylinders, it didn't go real fast but it sure was loud. It made not noise like like this. It was more like so much so that my, my friends, no lie, my friends actually called it the kazoo. One of my friends bought me a kazoo and we hung it from the mirror and that was the name of the car. And it was a, it was a standard, it was a four on the floor. And so I had to learn how to do that. I had to learn how to drive it. I'd gone to driver's ed, but I learned how to drive an automatic in driver's ed. And so I'll never forget. Now I'm getting my driver's license. I got to learn how to drive my first car. My dad's giving me the lesson on how to drive a standard. Some of y'all don't even know how to drive a standard. And I'm driving that thing and I get in the car and I mean no lie we're leaving from our from our house don't even get to the first stop sign and my dad forgot to tell me that when you stop it's not like an automatic when you stop you have to push in the clutch at the same time that you push in the brake how many know what I'm saying and I didn't push in the clutch and the car just goes you know anybody ever been there like I was proud because I got it to go but then I couldn't get it to stop you know I'm looking for a do-over and all of us need that in life sometimes don't we like we all make mistakes we try and we fail, we fall down, but we get back up and we keep going. And here's the good news of this series is that God is a God of do-overs. How many are thankful for that? That no matter how many times we fail, no matter how many times we fall, no matter how many mistakes that we make in life, even when we sin, that God is a God of second chances, of fresh starts, of new beginnings, a God of do-overs. And I think deep down inside, we kind of know that. But I think one of the things that we struggle with sometimes when it comes to when it comes to failures in life, and sometimes even when it comes to living by faith in life, is that we know that God is a God of grace, that he wants to give us a second chance when we fail. But sometimes the times when we fail in life kind of get stuck in our minds to the point where sometimes we get a little gun shy. Anybody ever been there before? Like, man, I, I'm afraid to step out and try. I'm afraid maybe to even walk a little bit in faith because of all of the failures and the mess ups of my past. And they hold me back sometimes from really believing for more or really taking faith steps because I know in the past I messed it up and I don't want to mess it up again in the future. Anybody ever been there? 
fact, some of you, you're, you're there right now. Like, you're like, man, I know they talk about it every week. I need to be in a life group and I need to have relationships. I'm not supposed to do this Christian walk alone. But, you know, I kind of tried that before and I opened up to people and then I opened up to and they didn't they didn't guard it very well. And maybe they hurt me and they did something. And I don't really want that again. Or maybe you're like, hey, I kind of didn't handle it really well when someone opened up to me and I don't want to mess them up. And so I'm just going to kind of sit back here and really not step out and try in that area because of my past failures. Maybe some of you are that way when it comes to church or to, to, to relationship with God. You're like, man, I went to church and the people of the church, they kind of they let me down or the pastor even kind of, maybe he disappointed me or maybe it's like, hey, I believed God for some big stuff and I prayed some big prayers for my marriage or for you know my finances or health and then things didn't happen the way that I wanted them to and now I'm a little gun shy. I'm kind of afraid to really step out there and believe for more because of the experiences of my past. Maybe there's some of you who are here today and God is actually calling you to take some new steps of faith with him. Maybe some of you, God would be speaking to you a few weeks ago. He spoke to you about, hey, I want you to foster a child or others of you. Hey, I want you to go on a missions trip or I want you to I want you to lead a ministry or I want you to I want you to give towards the stories campaign or begin tithing or whatever it is. And yet you've tried some of those things before and maybe you made some mistakes along the way. And because of your failures in the past, you're missing out on living in faith in your present and your future the way God would want you to live. It's a big deal. In fact, it reminds me of this story, this guy we're going to talk about today. It's found in the book of Matthew chapter 25. If you have your Bibles or your LifeGate app, you can turn there as we follow along. It's a familiar story. It's one that we've talked about many times here at LifeGate. It was actually what's known as a parable, that Jesus was actually telling this story to teach some truths. And in this story, man, there's some really deep truths about life. And we're going to pull one of these truths from this story today. You may be familiar with it. It's called the parable of the talents Some people call it the parable of the servants. And and here's the way it goes, is that Jesus says there was this man who he had these three servants. And he called these three servants to himself and he gave each one of them a sum of money. Some versions call it a talent. Some some versions call it a bag of gold. In fact, in the the version that we're reading from today, it says that to one guy he gave five bags of gold. To another he gave two bags of gold. To another he gave one bag of gold. And then the Bible says that the master went away on on a long trip, but after a long time, he came back and he called the servants back to himself and he wanted to see what they had done with the money that he had given them. And if you know the story, the guy who had five bags of gold, he says, hey, master, I took the five that you gave me. I put it to work. I took some risk. I worked on it and I was able to gain five more. Here's 10 bags of gold. And the Bible says that the master looked at him and said, way to go. Well done. You did so amazing with that. I'm going to give you so much more. The guy who had two, he brought it back and said, hey, I only had two, but I took the two and I turned it into two more. Here's four. Master, I did something with what you gave me. And the Bible says the master said, way to go, dude. Well done. Good and faithful servant. But we know the story. The man who had one bag of gold, the Bible says he brought it to the master. The master said, why didn't you do something with what I gave you? You buried it in the ground. You should have at least got some sort of some sort of return on my investment. And this is where we pick up in our passage in Matthew 25 and verse 24. And this is what the servant said. The man who had received one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man 
Harvesting where you did not sow and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was what? Everybody say this word aloud. I was afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. What caused this man to miss out on what the master had for him? The same thing that causes us many times to miss out on what our master has for us. This one little four letter word. Fear. I was afraid. I'm afraid that if I step out in faith, I might fail. We all deal with it, don't we? I mean, fear is, is a funny thing because there's, really there's really only a couple of fears that we just are naturally born with. Most of the fears that we have really are learned fears. Isn't it true? Like we learn them from experiences, from things that happen in our lives. It kind of reminds me of this story I heard about this one scientist who he had a whole bunch of monkeys. And so he would do these experiments on these monkeys. And he took these four monkeys and he put them in this cage. And he took a, he took a bunch of bananas and he put them up high on this, on this stalk. And so the, mon- the monkeys naturally did what monkeys would do and they see bananas. The first monkey climbs up the stalk to get the, to get the bananas. And what he didn't realize was that that the man who was doing the experiment knew that when he climbed up, he was ready for him and he had this hose of water and he shot the monkey right in the face with ice cold water as he went up to try to get the bananas. Well, of course, the, the monkey didn't like that, so he scurried back down without getting the bananas. Well, it wasn't long till the second monkey decided, I want to get the bananas, and so he kind of climbed up, and the same thing happened. He was shot in the face with a blast of ice-cold water. He runs back down and says, man, I don't want anything to do with that. The third monkey and the fourth monkey, they attempted it several times until finally they decided, it ain't worth it to get blasted with the ice-cold water. We're going to leave the bananas alone. Well, it wasn't long after that, and the scientist decides that He's going to take one of the monkeys out who had learned, I don't want to go up there, I'm going to get blasted with cold water, and put a fresh new monkey into the cage. Well, of course, the monkey did what monkeys do. He went up the stalk to get the bananas, and this time, there was no ice cold water. This time, all of the other monkeys began to pull on him and make noises and scream at him, basically saying, come down, when you go up there, bad stuff's going to happen. And little by little... One at a time, he replaced the original monkeys with brand new monkeys who had never even been sprayed in the face with water. But every one of them stayed on the ground and never even made an attempt to get the, to get the bananas. You know, that's a funny sounding story. And yet I think this is the way we live a lot of times. Because here's what I know about fear. In fact, I will guarantee you this. When you begin to live a life of faith, to step out and walk in what God has for you, there's going to be times when you're going to get blasted in the face. There's going to be times when people are going to pull at you and say, you can't do it. You see, the truth is you have an enemy of your soul. And every time you begin to take steps of faith in the direction that God wants you to live, there's an enemy that's going to pull at you. And he's going to say, you can't do it. You tried it last time and you failed. Remember how you felt? Don't try it again. And many times that voice comes from people in your life. Other times it might come from the voice in your own heart and mind. You failed last time. You don't want to do that again. The moral of the whole story is this. Don't let fear make a monkey out of you. (laughs) That's cheesy, but hey, many times the enemy wants to hold you back from what God has for you. Living and walking in the faith walk that God wants you to live in and walk in. And many times it's because of our own Fear of failure. So here's what I want to do today. 
I want to set you free. How many want to be free today? Come on. I want to set you free. I'm ready. You ready to be free from fear and the fear of failure in your life? I'm going to give you two things. You're, they're going to blow you away how deep they are. You ready for this? Number one, if you want to be set free, here's what you have to understand. Ready for this? You will fail. Everybody just look at your neighbor and tell them, you're going to fail. You will. Now, don't you feel encouraged, don't you? I came to church. Pastor told me I'm going to fail. It's not encouraging, and yet it actually is pretty freeing. When I realized that the success, the failure rate is 100%, every single one of us, we're going to blow it. We're going to mess up. If you attempt something, I will guarantee you this. Unless you are Jesus, and I got news for you, you ain't him. You're going to fail. We all do. Man, I have failed so many times in my life attempting things for God. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about like I was trying to attempt something for God and I stepped out and fell smack on my face. Come on, right? Like I told you about a few of the times at the beginning of this series when I told you about some of my mess ups when I'm preaching and some of the stuff that I've said. I was thinking as I was studying for this message, I was thinking about my very first ever sermon that I ever preached. I was, I think I was like 16 years old and I got to preach on a Sunday night. How many remember Sunday night church back in the day? And I got to preach on a Sunday night and I remember man, I studied for hours and hours and hours and hours for that sermon. And then I got up and I preached and it was four minutes long. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't four minutes. It was 12 minutes long. And I remember I felt like such a failure. Like I studied for hours and I only preached 12 minutes. And I remember going to my dad who was the pastor and he's, he's such a wise man. And I said, dad, like I only preached 12 minutes. And he gave me some great wisdom that I've remembered ever since then. He says, he says, son, here's what you need to know. Sometimes people will complain if you preach too long, but nobody will ever complain that you <laughs> preach too short. Like we all mess up, don't we? Like I remember one time I was preaching about, I was preaching about tithing and I was using that passage in Malachi 3. It says, if we'll bring our tithe, they'll open up the windows of heaven, pour out blessings on us. We won't have room enough for it. Then the next verse goes on and says, and, the, and he will rebuke the, the devourer from your crop. And I got messed up and I said, he will rebuke the devourer from your crap. <laughs> and it came out and then I thought, well, you know what? That's kind of right too. He takes care of all of our stuff, you know? I mean, here's the guarantee. You will fail is a hundred percent. And if you're sitting back going, well, I can't attempt anything because I'm afraid I'm going to fail. You're going to miss out because the truth is you're going to fail. In fact, the scripture says it like this in James, James chapter three and verse two, it says, we, what we all stumble. If anyone is never at fault, then he is a, what he is a perfect man. I'm going to tell you, there ain't no perfect man in this room. There ain't no perfect woman in this room. Amen. You know by experience, I think. Isn't that great when the audience has better jokes than the pastor? Love it. Here's the deal. There's nobody perfect. We blow it. But guess what? God is a God of do-overs. Right? You're going to fail. But that leads me to the second thing. And that is this. You can overcome. Everybody look at your other neighbor. Tell them you can overcome. It's 100%. We're all going to fail. We're all going to blow it. We're all going to mess up. But here's what also is 100%. You can overcome. There is no failure that is too great. In fact, your failure is not the end. You know what it is? It's a beginning. In fact, I love the way Henry Ford says it. He says, failure is not the end. Instead, it's a chance to start again, this time more intelligently. And isn't that true? 
In fact, this is what the Bible says about it in Proverbs. Look at this in Proverbs 24 and verse 16. It says, though a righteous man falls what? Seven times. He rises again. Seven times. This dude is a screw up. Man, he blew it seven times. Like we would look at someone who messed up seven times in a row. And what would we say? We'd say he's a loser. He's a failure. But what does the Bible call him? A righteous man. That's not what I'd call someone who messed up seven times. But that's what the Bible called him, a righteous man. Why? Not because he failed. No, no, no. But because every time he failed, what does it say? He rose again. He started over. He got back up and he tried again. And some of you are here today. You're afraid you're going to fail. Guess what? You will fail. But that's not the end. You can get back up and you can try again. It reminds me of a song from my childhood in the 90s. Go something like this. I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're never going to keep me down. Come on. How many remember that song? Some of you are like, man, I'm too young to remember that song. That was way back. Maybe you'd remember one like this. Play is going to play, play, play. And the hate is going to hate, hate, hate. But I'm just going to shake, shake, shake. Come on. Shake it off. Some of you are like, pastor needs a do-over on that one right there. Some of you are like over 50. And I don't know none of those songs. You might know this one. Weeble wobbles wobble, but they don't fall down. Right? Kind of reminds me of Rocky. Remember the movie Rocky? It was my favorite movie besides Karate Kid, of course. My second favorite movie series is Rocky. And it don't matter if it's Rocky 1, 2, 5, 10, 12, 14, because they're all the same. Like, the point of the movie is that Rocky wasn't that great of a fighter. He didn't have all the skill. What did he have? He had heart. And I mean, you, you go and he goes in with every one of them, you know, Clubber Lane, Apollo Creed, the Russian guy, all this stuff. And he just gets pummeled. He falls down over and over, even to the point where sometimes, like, even his trainers are just like, stay down. But he wouldn't stay down. And what made him a champion was that he always got back up one more time than his opponents. Guess what, guys? You're going to fall, just like Rocky, just like a weeble wobble. You're going to wobble, but you can get back up. It's not too late for you. We see this in this story, all right? Think about the master who had the, who had the servants The Bible doesn't specifically say this, but I think we could read this into the story that the guy who had five and the guy who had two, they didn't have a perfect record. I mean, the master was gone for a long time. So I can imagine as they made investments, there might have been a few investments that they made that didn't bring a return or that might have even lost a little bit along the way. But when the master brought them together, notice he didn't say, well done, good and perfect servants. What did he say? Well done, good and perfect faithful servant. Hey, you might have lost a little bit along the way, but over time it evened out because you got back up and you were faithful. You didn't give up. You didn't quit. And now I'm calling you. I'm saying what you did was good. Well done. Good and faithful servant. And some of you need to realize this today that, hey, you may make some mistakes along the way, but you're going to learn from those mistakes. You need to redefine what failure is that, hey, I may have messed up, but it's a chance to learn from that and move forward. In fact, it reminds me of this story I heard one time about this guy. He, he taught this pottery class. He'd been teaching it for years. And, and every time, the very first class, he would do this same, this same experiment with them. 
he would divide the, he would divide the room into two, into two parts. And one half of the room, he would say, this is what I want you to do during this class over the next two hours. I want you to focus on quantity. I want you to make as many pots as you possibly can. In fact, I want you to shoot for a hundred pots over this next two, uh, over this next two hours. Then he would take the other side of the room and he'd say, this is what I want you to do over the next two hours. I only want you to make one pot, but I want you to focus on quality. I want you to make that pot as perfect as it can be. Spend the next two hours trying to make a perfect piece of pottery. Well, two hours would go by. And every single time this exact same thing would happen, he would call the students back together and he would compare the best of the quantity with the best of the quality. And every single time the quantity side would have a better, more perfect piece of pottery. And the students would say, I don't understand. Why is that? And the professor would say, this is a lesson in pottery, but it's also a lesson in life. If you spend all of your time overanalyzing, trying to figure it all out, trying to make sure you don't make any mistakes, you're still going to make mistakes. But if you'll decide, hey, I'm just going to take steps. I'm going to build one pot and it ain't perfect. And so then I'm going to build another one. I'm going to learn a little bit from the first one that I made mistakes and it ain't going to be perfect either. But on the third one, I'm going to learn a little bit more. And on the fourth one and on the fifth one, and as I take those steps of faith in God, I am might fall down a time or two in my life, but each time I fall, I learn something. I get back up and I overcome it because God is that kind of God. You're going to fall. You're going to mess up. It doesn't have to be be the end. It can be the beginning. You, You can overcome. You can be free from the fear of failure today if you just realize, hey, I'm going to mess up, but God's with me and I'm going to get back up And I'm going to overcome that failure and learn from it. So you say, Pastor, how do I walk this out? Well, let's get real practical today. You ready? Two things, takeaways. If you're going to overcome fear of failure, here's what you're going to have to do. The first one you're going to have to do is you're going to have to learn to trust the master. You go back and you look at this story. What was the problem for the man who had the one talent and he didn't do anything with the one talent that he had? It really came down to a trust problem. I mean, check it out in verse number 25. Look what he says. He says, then the man who had received one talent came. Master, look what he says. I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you did not sow and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was, I was afraid. Where'd that fear come from? The fear came from the fact that he really didn't trust the master. Like he thought he knew the master. He thought he knew how the master would judge everyone, but he had a total wrong picture of what the master was looking for. I mean, you look at it. The master didn't reprimand the guys who had two and five and maybe had some failures along the way because of their failures. No, no. He commended them because of their faithfulness. It was actually only the one who didn't take any steps that were actually reprimanded. And it's the same in our life. Sometimes we get this view of God. We think we know who God is because of things that we have experienced in life. And it's our wrong view of the master that actually causes us to fear failure. Because here's what we think sometimes. And we've kind of grown up this way a lot in the Bible Belt and in church. We think, here's God and he's up in the sky, this big, mean, bully master who's just waiting for me to get out of line so he can zap me. Come on, anybody ever thought that before? Right? Just waiting. So, But you know what? When you really study the Bible, you don't see that. That's actually... I'm not talking about sin, but I'm talking about when we take steps of faith and we, and we mess up 
you know what? God's not looking to zap you for that. He wasn't upset at the men that messed up for that. He was upset for the one who didn't have the faith to step out. In fact, this is what the Bible says that displeases God. In Hebrews 11, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so, you know what we got to do? We got to get a different view of who the master is. We got to learn to trust the master. That if I will step out in faith, he will walk with me. He's not a bully waiting in the sky to zap me. You know what the Bible gives us a picture and the image of? He's a father who wants to walk hand in hand with us as we attempt great things for his family and for his kingdom. And many times the reason we're not, we're not able to step out in faith is because we're afraid if I blow it that God's going to be upset because I attempted something for him and I messed up. But that's... That's the wrong view of the father. We got to begin seeing. See, I, I'm, a, I'm a dad. I got three kids. I, and I, I have a two-year-old little son. And, you know, little boys are different than girls, if you know what I'm saying. And so, like, this little dude, he's got all kinds of energy. And so, parents, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes, like, you want to spend time with your son. But sometimes, it's also like there's a secondary kind of a purpose there. I'm trying to wear them out so they'll go to sleep, you know. <laughs> And so I take my son and we go for walks around the block. And he loves to do that because he loves to be outside. He'll go to the door and go, outside, outside, you know. And I'll take him for a walk and we'll walk around the block. And when we get to this one certain area on our block, there's actually, there's actually this little retaining wall that's built out of these rocks. And so instead of walking on the sidewalk, he don't want to just walk on the sidewalk. What he wants to do is he wants to get up on the wall, you know what I'm saying, and walk on the wall. And so we've learned how to do that. And I'll take his hand and I'll walk along with him. But here just recently he's gotten to where he don't want me to hold his hand. He's like, no, daddy, I'll do it by myself, you know. And he walks on that wall. And the entire time, like, I'm there to catch him if he falls. And if he were to fall, do you think that I would pick him up and go, what's the matter with you? Why'd you fall? No, what would I do? I'd pick him up. I'd put him in my arms. I'd love him and hug him until the tears are washed away. Then I'd put him down again and we'd get back up on the wall and I'd take his hand until he was ready to let go and walk across the wall again. And this is what John is talking about. Look at this in John chapter four and verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love does what? Drives out fear because fear has to do with what? Look at this word with punishment. And the one who feared is is not made perfect in love. This is what John is saying. If you're afraid to step out in faith, here's the problem. You're thinking that God is a God who's ready to punish you when you mess up. But when you see his perfect love for you, you will be willing to step out in faith the way that he has called you to step out, knowing that even if I mess up, he's not going to pick me up and say, what's wrong with you? He's going to pick me up and wrap me in his perfect arms of love and take my hand and walk with me again. He is one that can be trusted. You got to trust the master. Number two, write this down. I got to hurry. How do we deal with fear? We trust the master. But the second thing is this, is we got to take steps of faith. Notice this. I didn't say take giant leaps of faith. Sometimes it just makes take, means just taking little small steps. What happened in the passage? It says right there, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with what? With a few things. With little things. Not you took big giant steps and oh, that's why. No, no. You took little steps along the way and then that's what happens. All those little things added up to be big stuff. Now I'm going to put you in charge of much. 
And many of you are here today, like you're afraid to step out in what God has for you, to be the husband God wants you to be, to give to the offering God wants you to give, to go on the mission trip, to whatever that might be. You're afraid to step out in that because you think it's too big. And God goes, no, no, no. Just take the next step. What's the next step? Hey, get registered for the missions trip. Hey, just make the commitment to the giving. Whatever it is, I'm going to take the next step. And then I'm going to take the next one. And then I'm going to take the next one. And eventually a bunch of little steps wind up to be great big stuff. In fact, I love the way that Mark Batterson puts it in his book. He says, the cure for, fi- for the fear of failure isn't success. The cure for the fear of failure is failure in small enough doses that we build up an immunity to it. And some of you go, man, I can't, oh, what if I, you know, what if? And isn't that what fear does? Fear goes, all the what ifs. And I'll tell you, here's the secret to dealing with the what ifs of fear. You ready for this? You answer every what if with God will. Oh, but what if, what if I fail? God will pick me back up. What if I lose something that I love? God will comfort me in my heart. What if I, something bad happens? God will work all the bad stuff together for my good because I'm loving him and I'm living according to his purpose. What if I give and then there's not enough for me? God will provide all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. What if I put myself out there and I get hurt? God will be the friend that sticks closer than a brother to everyone. If there is a God will, if you'll learn to trust him. So this is what we're going to do right now. We're going to recognize, man, I'm going to fail. But it ain't over if I fail. There's a second chance. There's a do-over. If I'll trust the master, take his hand instead. One step. Away.